0: Hello, I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. Coming up after the news, it's Philosophy Talk. Today, affirmative action. Oh, affirmative action. I'm all in favor of affirmative action. It promotes diversity. It remedies the effects of past discrimination. It's a good thing, even though it's controversial.
1: Well, those are two good things, remedying the effects of past discrimination and diversity. But I'm not sure the affirmative action means either of those two quite different things. Uh, Mm. uh, It's just usually an excuse for reverse discrimination, isn't it, Ken? Oh, John, you just want to protect white privilege damn right. Philosophy Talk continues after the news.
0: Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. except your
1: intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of KALW, San Francisco. Uh, We're just continuing the philosophy conversations we have down at Philosophy Corner on the Stanford campus, though, Ken.
0: Yeah, and today we're going to continue uh, talking about affirmative action, John.
1: Affirmative action. Now, now, what what is affirmative action well, anyway? It's a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But the point of it is
0: is one of the points is to remedy the effects of past discrimination. You know, when I was growing up, in the, in the way back when, yeah, uh, the the things that a black guy like me could aspire to. Sen- seriously aspire to. We're, s- we're severely constrained because of discrimination. There was always being the first black this, the first black that, and it was like major achievements that haven't happened in the you know 200-year history of the country. So affirmative action
1: is helping to overcome the effects of that uh, stuff. Well, that's very nice, Ken, and I'm sure it's a worthwhile thing, but But what does affirmative action mean? When I was uh, a young assistant professor at UCLA back in the late 60s, early 70s, it was very clear. We were told by the university, affirmative action doesn't mean making your final decision on the basis of race or ethnicity. It means reexamining the criteria, say, for admission to your graduate program. Uh, Do you require a a degree from a good university because you don't think people can come from bad universities? No. So re-examine your criteria. And send your brochures out more widely, not just to Ivy League schools, but to Southern schools with heavy black enrollments.
0: Yeah, that's, a that's good thing. not what
1: it means now. It means reverse discrimination. Well, doesn't it? I mean,
0: it means something more than what it meant then, because in 1972 there was this uh, dissent, this uh, executive order by Nixon of all people, saying you need timetables, goals, and all this stuff to show that you can measure the progress. So it doesn't mean quite what it meant in your day. Uh, but let me ask you a question: How did you get your first job?
1: How did I get my first job? Well, I, I think it was a perfectly rational and fair procedure. The chairman of the philosophy department at UCLA called up the chairman of the philosophy department at Cornell University and said, Have you got any hotshot graduate students? and my name was given to them, and the next day they offered me a job. I, <laughs> right. mean, I mean, it wasn't like they only called Harvard, so it, <laughs> yeah, it was right. pretty fair.
0: Yeah, right. The old boys' network worked for you, Todd. I mean, and that's what affirmative action is designed to do break down these old boy networks. And, you know, you, people like to think of these as, as things of the past, but they're not just things of the past. They're everywhere, they're all around us in uh, contracting and hiring and all kinds of places.
1: Well, it, it, I, you know, I have to agree, it's pretty pervasive. It's not just in education. Sometimes I think the real essence of affirmative action is let's, we're making decisions all the time in our society based on illegitimate and unfair standards. Let's get Afro, being an Afro American or being a Native American or being a Ch- Chicano included in, the, in that list. That's yeah, fair. Right. Uh, I guess know, that's a pretty cynical way to look C- at California's
0: it. California has been dealing with this for a couple of decades, trying to break down old boy networks. And our roving philosophical Amy Standen uh, investigated some of those efforts. She files this
2: report.
3: About 20 years ago, San Francisco city officials took a look at how the city was awarding private contracts and decided they had a problem.
2: City contracts were being let almost exclusively to businesses that were owned by white males.
3: Orrin Selstrom is an attorney for the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights in San Francisco.
2: The city's Human Rights Commission gathered statistical evidence that showed that at the time, in the early 1980s, less than three percent of all city contracts were going to women and minority-owned firms combined. Uh, A really infinitesimally small amount of what is hundreds of millions of dollars that is spent on public contracting in the city every year.
3: In an effort to diversify, the city came up with a new affirmative action ordinance which favors bids put in by women and minority-owned businesses.
2: To equalize the playing field, When a bid is submitted by a minority and women-owned business, a discount of anywhere from 5 to 10% is given to that bid.
3: That ordinance is still in place in San Francisco, but its days may be numbered, thanks in part to California voters.
4: Back in 1996, California voters adopted Proposition 209, which prohibits the state, including San Francisco, from using race or sex in its public contracting program.
3: Sharon Brown is an attorney for the Pacific Legal Foundation, which is challenging the San Francisco ordinance on the grounds that it violates state law.
4: The people of California said that they do not want their government to look at people differently solely on the basis of race.
3: Brown would like to see the city take steps to encourage all small businesses, regardless of the race or sex of their owners.
4: Just because uh, a person is white and male doesn't necessarily make them privileged. When they look at the problems that the minority contractors and the women contractors are identifying, those are identical to the same problems that all small businesses encounter. And so why not do a program that helps everybody?
3: Proposition 209 does prohibit preferential treatment on the basis of race or sex, but it also forbids government agencies from allowing discrimination to take place. Oren Selstrom says that without the city contracting law, that's exactly what would happen.
2: If the program is no longer in existence, we will go back exactly to where we were 20 years ago. We have just seen last year in the United States Supreme Court a ringing endorsement of the need for affirmative action in the higher education context, recognizing that, unfortunately, we still do live in a society where race matters and that government has a duty and a responsibility to make sure certain segments of the population are not unfairly excluded from participation.
3: But to Sharon Brown, that's just no argument for race or sex-based affirmative action.
4: That's discriminating. And we don't allow discrimination in the state, much less uh, in the United States.
3: It's a question of how we want to deal with history. Does the fact that society has historically discouraged minorities and women justify doing the reverse, for a while at least, in modern times? Or is discrimination discrimination, no matter who it targets? For Philosophy Talk, this is Amy Standen.
1: You can listen to the rest of this program by purchasing it at iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.